Hey guys, welcome to another episode of More Than a Podcast. It's your host James, as always, here to give you guys more of the greatness. So we're going to jump right in. Got a big special episode uh, today. Wanted to talk about a whole lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff happened this past week. Um, starting off with some new video game releases. Um, I've only taken advantage of one of the many releases, but we'll get there um, first. Like the big, the big release, Madden uh, 23 came out uh, this past uh, Friday, and I know that there are a lot of sports enthusiasts and Madden fans in particular. And yeah, they got their new iteration of the football classic. Now, I'm 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 gonna be straight up. I like me some Madden. Like any other sports fan, you know, if you're a fan of a of a of a particular team, you know, specifically you know, especially in the NFL, you know, you wanna kinda emulate, you know, um what it would be like if your team were to, you know, go that step and get to the Super Bowl and all that other jazz. Um but doing it through Madden is I don't know. Like I like for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hundred and ten percent honest with you. I have broken the illusion of what the Madden series is truly offering to fans. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. I don't mean that people who do pay for Madden or being duped or anything. No, it's just for me, I'm looking beyond what, you know, the glitz and the glamour of, of, of a new release every year uh, means to people. Because the one, the one thing that I find is the most prevalent concern is graphically, they don't really change that much, at least within like three to five year spans. They don't look any different, you know, animations and stuff. That, that's, that's, those are like little, you know, semantics that you could kind of consider, um, which I feel like those are things that could come in an update, you know, like if there's a particular dance craze, it's, you know, like the gritty, you know, like that, like that, that, that was their big selling point for 23. Oh, you know, when you get a touchdown, you're going to be doing the gritty. And it's like, dude, I don't care about that dance. I really don't. Um, but, you know, it's just it's it's just really odd because, again, like, you know, you can you can look you can go and you can look at the games, you know, from the past three to five years. And I would bet that if any changes, they're going to be minute at best. There's nothing that, that changes graphically in such a drastic fashion where. You know, if you didn't pick it up, you kind of feel a little left behind. Um, and so, like that's that's like the first thing that I that I kind of think about when it comes to like these sports games because it's not just Madden; it's also like uh, NBA Two K. You know, like they don't they don't do anything too different. You know, um, that constitutes why I would go out and buy another one directly a year after I bought you know the one that I, I last did it just I don't know it just doesn't make the same amount of sense and I know some people might say oh but they're you know they're uh they're innovating new ways to play and they got new technology and doing all like I think the 
I think the thing in Madden, it's some kind of motion sensor, something, something about motion. And what's really funny is that as a PC player, this isn't something that's available on my version. You know, like I don't have, I don't have a PS5. I don't have a Xbox series one, but this is something that isn't available for me. So now we got a point where, um, every, you know, things aren't things aren't evenly killed and it's not just about the graphics now it's just about the now it's about the tech and so that you know like that's another reason why i feel like you know there there's there's an oddity to investing in these sports games because what does it really you know what is it really sacrificing to keep everything even and and make sure that everybody has an equal experience like i, I don't get it i really don't but I mean, that's that's, you know, for me, that's neither here nor there, because like I said, for me, I'm I'm completely um, not, you know, I'm not invested into the series, you know, like that. I bought the one from I bought 22 and I only did that because it was on sale for like 10 bucks. Um, and it was just because I just had a hankering to play with the Eagles. That was it, you know, Um so yeah, like, and and that's that's kind of where I am as far as the series as a whole. Because here here's here's my solution, or here's my thought of what they could have done. Because here, because because what's funny is that they're sitting here wrapping people up in this understanding that you know um, the game itself, the experience of the game itself, and and again this this also kind of likens to NBA Two K. But it's like, oh, well, the experience beyond, you know, the normal experience, it really elevates when you start doing the ultimate stuff and this, that, and the third. It's like, I remember when that was just called regular old franchise mode, when you can just, you know, build teams the way that you wanted to build them. Um, you know, you could unlock legendary teams and you can draft legendary people. Like now they make you pay for that stuff, you know, like they and, and not even pay. They make you gamble for it. You know, like it, you could spend all day wanting to get like a Jerome Bettis for back and, you know, getting a Joe Montana for, uh, you know, your your QB. And it's like you got to first off, wait till it's available and, and wait till they tell you that it's available. And then you got to, you know, uh, run the risk and open packs. You know, everything is packs. You know, they do it like it's real football cards. Like these aren't starter cards from, you know, back in the 80s. This is different. This is just it's straight up gambling. And it, and it just doesn't make sense um, because, again, I remember back in the day when that was like free. I remember back in the day when, you know, you could just make your own little dream team. And heck, even even if you put even if you put all, you know, 99 players, what, what would be the next best thing? Put that mess on Superstar and see how you fare. But that's that's not the case anymore. So what they do now is they're having you pay for better chances or or more uh or more product because the thing that it's not even just like one medium of gambling like that's the confusing thing about their little online hub it's like they got they got uh hot shot cards and then they got ice cold cards and then they got superstar cards and then they got uh super bowl uh uh mvp cards and it's like they got all these different styles and it, and you just get you get yourself lost and wrapped into it and you start to believe that if you want the best of you know uh 
whatever that tier offers that you have to invest. Oh, they only got Ezekiel in the coldest of cold. So I got to really go over there and do that. But if I really want to get a Michael Irvin and make my ultimate Cowboys, I got to do it over there on the on the Super Bowl hot shots. And it's it's just a money grab. And then they get you on the front end because they got you paying 60 bucks for the game. And uh, I don't know if it goes 60 to 99 because usually when I've seen it, <clears throat> it was like uh, I think it was like 60 bucks, 80 bucks and then the hundred. I think it. Yeah, I think it went up in 20, 20 dollar intervals. But like now you go online and the one the one thing that's like front and center is the ninety nine ninety nine one. And you got so many people that are so invested in it and they just tell themselves, well, I might as well, because then, you know, like they, they play the they play the game of the of of differences. It's kind of like, well, you know, this this is going to save me money because knowing that I'm going to buy so many packs, you know, from this point to the next, I'll basically save myself X amount of dollars if I just buy it all up front. It's like, dude, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. And it's just a shame. And it's like that, you know, like what I what I figure like I don't even I again, I don't even figure that that's worth my money, my pocket money, my hard-earned cash. I don't think that's worth it. You know? Um I I'm I'm going to be honest with you back when I was playing uh NBA Live and stuff like um and I mean I mean like their their uh relaunched uh NBA Lives like their I think their I think they most recent one they did was like 18 and 19. I don't know. They had James Harden on one. They had um they had a uh, what's his face on the other cover. But they they were actually dope games. I actually liked those games. I I I thought they were refreshing uh beyond what 2K offered. But um yeah, those were like the, that was like the last time I really like went out of my way to go and buy some cards. Um, but they also had like a trade system and maybe Madden does, maybe Madden has, um, an auction house where you can go and get specific people. Cause that was one thing that was like really cool about, uh, when I was investing my money into like NBA live, it was like, Oh, well, if I, if I want to rebuild the, you know, 1980s championship Lakers, um, then I'm going to have to pay for it in pieces. Cause I definitely don't believe in trying to you know, chance it and just open up, you know, packs. It's like, it, it, you know, it, I'm, I'm an MTG player. <clears throat> I'm a Magic the Gathering player. And the one universal concept of building the perfect deck is always by singles. You never want to try, you never want to aim to build your perfect deck by cracking packs all day because you're just never going to get there. Or you're, you're not going to get there as quick as, as if you would just find the singles and just buy the singles and it's the same you know it's the same concept so if madden in fact has that structured i would say hey why don't you just let me build the team on your little madden ultimate team you know uh front and then you know based on what the market value is in your little online community you tell me how much it would be to spend to get said team but also wouldn't that be pay to win you know what I mean? Like, like it, it, it never, it's, it's, ne it's, it never looks good. It never looks good. It never looks good. I, I don't know. So, you know, like I, I see the 99, 99, uh, 
you know, version of, of a Madden game or a 2K game, and I really don't know what I'm paying for. Short of just more packs up front to crack. Um, and then I, I don't, you know, like I'd really want to know. For that $100, you know, for that $100, for that 40 extra bucks, are you feeling that you got $40 worth of, you know, additional content out of those, you know, ultimate team packs? Did you get the players that you wanted to? Do they guarantee you any players that, you know, because my whole thing is like, shoot, for $100, you should give me the option of whether I want to, you know, if I'm playing NBA 2K, give me the option to choose between whether I want a legendary uh, uh, Larry Bird, <laughs> Magic Johnson, or uh Akeem Olajuwon or Michael Jordan, you know, like give me the option, you know, don't, don't just make it something where I have to, you know, again, take my chances. Cause if I sit there and I spend a hundred dollars and take $40 worth of chance and get absolutely nothing that's in my wheelhouse of interest, then I'm going to feel like you, you, you screwed me. But you know, that that's, you know, again, that's neither here nor there for me. Cause I'm not invested in it. I think what they should do, I think they should, I think they should release their games every I'd say 5 years like 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 an in like in store go to Best Buy pick up a physical copy of Madden that should be like every 5 years. And I believe like within those 5 years what they need to do is they need to just do uh annual updates and subsidize how much you would charge for that annual update. That's better to me. Hey, you know, uh, preseason starting, uh, you know, we, we got the roster updates. We got uh, new animations. You know, we got this, that, and the third. Um, you know, 30, 40 bucks. If you want to, you know, become current to the next, to the next generation, to the, to the not, not next generation, but just to the next season. Because you're already in that generation. And again, like I said, they can sit there and make five Maddens and they're all going to look the same. They're going to look exactly the same. So just, you know, charge me 30 bucks, make a roster implementation that, that you know, shifts the players as they've been shifted in the real league. Um, you know, put in whatever uh, quality of life improvements that, you know, you feel are necessary. And then, you know, like change the splash page. That's easy. Change the splash page. So it reads Madden 23, 24, 25, you know, and, and so on. But like I've heard on Twitter, because I've I've taken this I've taken this argument all over social media, and you know the the consensus is true. It's like, yeah, they are making money hand over fist. So why would they even consider making a more convenient, um, making a more convenient experience? Because if consumers are just going to blindly, and th and that's that's the whole thing. It's like we blindly do so much, and then we blame the industry for taking advantage of us but it's like but you're the one sitting there with that game in your system like so don't complain i mean i'm only speaking about it in concern because like i said i like madden but i will never invest in it um at least at a full price uh based on what i believe they are they are doing and what they should be doing so they'll never yeah they'll never get 60 dollars out of me they'll never not never again and they they certainly won't get their premium or ultimate price. Like I don't even understand that. 
you know, it's it's almost like you, it's almost like you're taking advantage of this understanding. Like you're, you're trying to make people feel like they're a bigger fan if they pay the hundred dollars. You know, it's like legendary edition. Like, what's so legendary about it? Tell me <laughs> what's so legendary about it. But anyway, that was one uh, new release. We'll get off of that. Uh, Cult of Lamb uh, also released. And I don't know much about that game. Um, I know it's been highly anticipated by a lot of people. And I know a whole bunch of people are playing it and saying it's really, really cool. Um, I was listening to uh, a YouTube slash podcast um, that I frequent a bit. And uh, they were telling me about how there's some resource management in the game. I like resource management. I like you know, sending people out to go and collect wood and metal and this, that, and whatever. And, um, you know, kind of making, you know, I guess micromanaging a cult, uh, for nothing else. Uh, and yeah, then there's, I guess there's the combat and I'm, you know, I'm assuming there's some story to it. It seems interesting. Um, thing about me is that I'm really not into games that have, uh, these quirky kind of graphics and quirky kind of looks like that's never been my bag. So um, it's, it's not something that just rang to me and said, Oh yeah, I really got to go out and, and play this. But you know, I, I can, I can appreciate that, you know, um, gamers are getting something that they have been looking for. I can appreciate that developers are really out there experimenting and doing new and more creative things. So that's always awesome. That's super awesome. Um, so hopefully it sells, you know, it continues to sell really well. And uh, hopefully that, that uh, puts the developers in a position where they can continue that franchise and, and keep fans of, of that uh, game happy. Um, Another, uh, this one was kind of like a sleeper because like I, I heard people reference it and then I went and looked it up and I just thought it was like super weird, but very alluring. And that's roller dome, um, roller dome, as it's been explained is kind of a mix between Tony Hawk jet set and, uh, I, I like some kind of arena shooter. I don't know. Uh, it looks really, really nice. I like the kind of uh, cell shaded art style. Um, when I when I looked at some of the gameplay, I did get immediate flashbacks of like uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two, um, but it's with guns and it's it's super weird. And I don't know, like I, it was really funny because like when when it came up. I was already in the throes of owning a whole different game. And we'll get to that game in a moment. Um, but I, but I truly had to consider, I said, man, this looks really fun. And I might have to put off what I want in order to get this because this looks hype, but I ultimately went with what I had on my mind already. Um, but this is one of those games that I will definitely get in the eventual future because it just looks undeniably fun it looks really innovative it looks like you know like i really appreciate when a game can um just come from left field and just offer you something that is radically different even when it feels familiar like i said i mean you know you got this look aesthetically that 
looks like Jet Set, and then you got this gameplay that kind of comes off like Tony Hawk, and then you're shooting guns, and and I, I'm assuming there's kind of some kind of uh, time slowing mechanic in there or something like that, because I can't imagine you going fast on on um, roller skates and you know shooting frantically at at you know uh, I'm assuming people and objects that are probably moving. So yeah, that would that would be something I would hope I could slow down time and focus on. But it looks exciting. I'm just gonna say it again. It looks exciting. I'm gonna grab it eventually. Um, but what I chose out of all the new releases is I chose um, a game that I heard a lot about in its uh, in in its initial release of of the title, and then it kind of went under the radar for me. And a couple of weeks before it was due to come out, it came back upon my interest. And I was like, whoa, I kind of forgot about this, but I am back on track. And that game is, uh, I, I okay, so I call it Themesia. Um, some people might call it Timesia um, or Timesia. So Themesia, um, if you don't know, is a, I'll call it a Souls-inspired uh game it is a game that from the from the initial information that they had released and you know like the screenshots and some of the you know alpha gameplay that they were showing back then um it gave me vibes of bloodborne and i think that's what kind of tacked me onto it because like i okay so overall i am a souls fan but i am primarily a bloodborne fan like I'm one of those people that just keeps wishing upon a star that they make a sequel. Um and and this I just felt like this is going to scratch that itch for me. Cuz it's always underwhelming because I continue to support from software and it's not that they're letting me down, it's just that every release that they've had um short of Dark Souls 3, you know, it just doesn't compare to Bloodborne. And I mean, Dark Souls 3 is not really like Bloodborne either, but I found, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> I found Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne to me to be more synonymous with each other than any of the other games they came out with after. And it was always to my detriment because I would go out and I'd like be like, oh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, you know, this is basically going to be bloodborne you know since it's going to be fast it's going to be bloodborne uh with a samurai and i just i could never get onto it because the primary focus was the parrying system and it just never worked out for me um and then elden ring oh you know it's going to be written by george r r martin and and it's going to have this huge expansive map and it's going to be so open world and i just got lost and i just can't even fathom getting back into it because every time I start, I just don't know where to go. And I hear people all the time and it's, it, you know, the one thing, the, so the one thing that I dislike about the souls community is just how they lack the understanding that there is a such thing as difficulty for someone. They feel that because they were able to achieve that you should be able to, too. And it's usually in a very, you know, downtrodden manner that that you're viewed as such is kind of like well maybe if you just do this it's like dude just stop <laughs> like why, why why not how about instead of you talking down to me you help me 
You know, like like that. That's always been my logic. Why why talk down and put somebody down because they didn't achieve what you did? Even if even if you want to punish me because you're saying, well, I tried a hundred times and I finally got it, so I know you can do it if you just try. And it's like, dude, nobody told you to do it a hundred times. <laughs> like I, like if I'm smart enough to ask you to help me, why don't you just help? Or just say no and get lost, you know, like, so that's where I am with Elden Ring is like, I don't have people to help me. So I'm just like, I'm good on the game. I mean, it, it's still there, but I'm good on it. But Demisia is different. And again, like the way that I initially took it was that it was going to have an aesthetic that was very reminiscent of my feelings on Bloodborne. And in a way that is true. But mostly it's wrong. Um, the game is fun. Let's just say that. The game is super fun. Um, you know, it's, again, I, I think it's it's not Souls-like. It is Souls-inspired. And I think that the inspiration really is drawn more into uh, the style in a way. I think it's drawn into uh, the system as far as how you develop as a character in a way um but as far as the the real fundamentals of what makes a souls game a souls game you know kind of like you know being patient is what truly is the reward um you know taking advantage of you know that sliver of an opening is the true reward you know like that's not the case in the Mesia at all like um you know they they you know, they have their enemies that are kind of uh, walking around and, you know, whatever. Um, you, you don't you, you you never you never feel um, pressured for advancing too far. You know, like in, in some Souls games, it's kind of like you can turn a corner and you might see one person. and You're like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm strong enough. I'll just run to them and I'll just knock them out. But it's like because you didn't check the corners that were on your left and your right here comes you know two different people coming behind you to attack and and you know and uh basically make it a little bit more difficult for you you don't suffer that in themesia you know it's very rare that somebody comes in surprise and um you know thwarts your advancement towards you know attacking another character um and and the attacking aspect of it it's like it's not even it's it's more like a hack and slash like that's how I describe it. It's more like a hack and slash. Um, it's you know, it's not it's it's not as tit for tat, you know, like the whole thing about a Souls game is kind of like, you know, you're just kind of waiting and it's almost like you're baiting the enemy into making a mistake so that you can take advantage. There's no advantage needed. You walk up to um, opposition you slash until they're pretty much dead and but but the cool thing one of the cool things that i will say is that um there's kind of like a two two meter it's like two meters of health there's like this white meter which is just kind of like their life bar and then they have like this uh green meter which is like a plague meter and it's like you slash 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 and then they got this huge green meter and it, I, I think they call it like the wound meter or something like that. But you basically take um, these claws that you have 
And I think that they're just like infected with this, with this plague. And if you hit them with it, it's almost like a visceral attack, but it's not something that you sneak up on the opposition with. You just, you just, it's just taking advantage of somebody that's open. That's it. It's not, you know, and, and they, and they don't, at least in my play, cause I've played it a, a bunch and I've had many, many uh, enemies that were, you know, back to me and I found no way and maybe I'm tripping, but I found no way to make a visceral attack. Like, you know, something where you can just take advantage of being sneaky and being stealth. Um, they, I'm assuming they have something that they consider to be finishing moves because you can, you can slash, you know, again, you slash your enemies to death and then they have this big red circle that comes over them, which is kind of like a, you know, a sign to finish him. And I mean, it doesn't really do anything like there's no real animation. And then, and what animation does happen, it happens so fast that you just don't even notice what, what they were trying to accomplish. You know, um, I think the only time that it's actually different or comes off as like a true final attack is when you're doing it to, um, not, I guess, I guess I can consider them sub bosses cause they're a little harder than the normal people. Um, but you, you do like different things. Like when they give you that red, um, that red circle, it's usually something a little bit more artistic as far as like finishing them off. Um, I'm assuming cause I haven't been to a prime boss yet, so I don't know. Um, but maybe that would change and maybe there'll be something a little bit more, um, articulated when you do it against the larger bosses. I don't know, but we'll see. Is it fun? Yes, it's plenty fun. I enjoy it. I'm enjoying myself. Um, I'm enjoying, like I said, there are certain qualities that uh, resonates with a fan of Souls games in certain respects. So like when I'm doing my character build, like I'm totally doing like I would in a Souls game, I'm focusing on all my strength and vitality, making sure that I can pound on people, really hard but also take a punch you know if i happen to slip for a second so you know there you know it it, it again it's fun it, it's not it's not a bad game um i w if i had to rate it on a scale of one to ten i would say it's a 7.5 out of 10 yeah a 7.5 out of 10 you you can you can definitely tell that this this um this is a game that people cared about um you can definitely tell that this is a game that um took a lot of time to get together but um it doesn't come off like a potential triple a game um you can definitely tell that this is something that just took a little less technical steps in order to get the game out so i mean it, again it's fun it looks cool, but it it could, in my opinion, <clears throat> it could have been a lot more. Um, but you know, it it is what it is, and I, I'm I'm happy with it, and I'll continue to play. Um, I had a question because I was I was uh, downloading some games yesterday uh, for my emulator, and it was so funny because I was I I got to this point where I was like, you know. I got all these emulators and I got all these games 
but I can't get certain emulators to work. Uh, as you guys know, I play primarily on my Steam Deck. And um, I said, I got to get this PS2 emulator working because I can I can normally do it on my PC, no problem. But I want it to work on this device. I, I need to make it work. And I finally got it to work. I, sh I showed I showed some of you on social media. Um, one of the game first game I started <clears throat> uh, to test with was Rowdy Out of Stories, one of my all time favorite RPGs. Like hands down, it's like always going to be on my list. It'll it'll trade number one to two with you know I don't know. I mean I I I think I gotta redo my top ten list since more RPGs have come out. But yeah, um Rowdy Out of Stories is a fantastic game. So it was really cool to see um see that working. And then I um I did the same thing with uh Fatal Frame Two. Um I did the same thing with uh Rule of Rose, which is a hidden gem and a lot of people don't have that game or know about that game but one of the big ones that i i was really excited to get um uh moved over to my emulator was final fantasy 10 um final fantasy 10 is a it's a it's a weird one it's a weird one because like i talk a lot online with a lot of different people and we go into you know these uh uh these dialogues about final fantasy greatness right and <clears throat> we express a lot about you know the classic final fantasies you know one through six and how they were just stellar in their own rights and uh obviously seven is like the one that is has been the most accessible worldwide people all over the planet know final fantasy seven uh and what that is uh final fantasy eight in my opinion is one of the best final fantasies um nine not my favorite but i know and i understand why a lot of people like it but then i get to 10 <clears throat> and 10 was the 10 was the first one that came on to the uh the ps2 and i remember when i when i got it when it first came out um you know it was really really fun um very very different it was super different from what i had experienced with because because as a fan of final fantasy my you know my standards had kind of stood with seven and eight right like that was kind of like my standard of what i felt like a good final fantasy game was and 10 was different it was vibrant and bright and just happy <laughs> like it was it was it was insane um and the characters were all cool I mean, the characters are cool in, I mean, I think in all Final Fantasy, I don't think there's a bad character in any any offering. Um, but it, it, it begged me the question, do people consider Final Fantasy X a classic game? Is, is Final Fantasy X a, a, an, an all-time great game? And to me, I think, because I'm currently playing it now, um, we just left the village and <clears throat> we're getting ready to get out into the world and I'm pretty sure the story's going to start shifting and all that stuff. But I don't know. I don't know. I Like, to me, I don't think so. I think it was a good game. 
I think it was a great game actually, but it wasn't, it wasn't like how I feel about seven and eight, you know, because with seven, right. I, I tell people this all the time, you know, with seven, once I understood the concept of, um, the materia system and, uh, the limit breakers and, you know, um, the golden saucer and all that had to entail with the games and high scores and the battle arena and everything. I was like, you know what? My primary concern is being the best and doing the absolute best that I can in this game. And I, and I gave that game 110%. I grinded that game so hard. Now I will admit <clears throat> as hard as I grinded that game, I never beat Ruby weapon. But I think that was until I think that was until of never getting a golden chocobo and in turn never getting Knights of the Round. Those were two. Those are three things that I have never accomplished in Final Fantasy seven, three, you know, and yeah, I mean, I don't regret it one bit. I think I, I think I pushed that game to the ultimate limit. I, I remember I was the man in the battle arena. Um. None of those games could touch me. I used to sit there and shoot the crap out of that basketball game. I'd beat the, uh, what was it, the arm wrestling game. The snowboard game was was cake. It was like I was loving that. Man, I loved me some Final Fantasy VII. And the same thing with eight. It was like I made a point to go out and beat as many people as I could uh, in uh, the card game. Um, I, I'm pretty sure... If I'm not, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure I got everybody's ultimate weapon. I, I, I made a point to get everybody's ultimate weapon. And, um, yeah, like I, I, I pushed that, I pushed that game to the limit, but I never really pushed that hard with 10. And, and I don't, I don't know what it, what it was about it. I, I think for me, the, uh, I think it was, the manner in which you grew the characters with the with the grid system, I think to me that was a little overwhelming. Um, I also think that weapons didn't feel as special as they did in past games. They just didn't feel as special. Now, they had ultimate weapons in this game, too, and they had you know, uh, overdrives. Like that's, I think that's what they're called in, in that game and stuff. And yeah, like, like you could totally make a prime character and prime party and whatever, but I never, I never felt like I was grinding for anything in that game. I never pushed myself to just like overachieve in that particular game. So like, I wonder, do other people think or feel that, 10 is a game worthy of being a classic or legendary. I mean, how, I mean, how do people rate, like, does that show up in people's top 25 RPGs of all time? That's a question. Um, one of my other concerns I was, uh, cause like I, I said, uh, recently I, I, that put on, I, I put on my emulator, uh, fatal frame, two 
And it was so funny because like in the back of my head, I was like asking myself, why are you doing this to yourself? Because you know how you feel about this game. Because to me, that's Fatal Frame 2, in my opinion, is one of the scariest games that I've experienced. But I also started thinking, well, yeah, but scary games or horror games in particular have changed. And I think it begs a question like what really makes a horror game scary? And I think that really just depends on the type of game that you're playing. Um, because like with with Fatal Frame 2, <clears throat> you know, like I remember specifically. So so here's the thing, like back in back in uh, the early 2000s, I remember there was this influx of japanese culture uh in american cinema you know we were getting the ring and we were getting the grudge and you know all this understanding about japanese folklore and i used to read up online a lot about japanese folklore and i would scare myself to bits because it's it's so simple in nature but when you really just kind of take it all in and and understand it for exactly what that culture would believe it to be it is so frightening it is absolutely frightening so when i first played um fatal frame 2 and just seeing is how much of that game was kind of based on folklore it just it 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 terrified me because and and what terrified me the most was just the fact that again culturally this isn't something that i could could i can't resonate with it but i would but i wouldn't be the exception just because i don't understand it like because i don't understand it that actually makes me worse off because then you know whatever entity or monster decided to come after me i'm 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 game cuz i don't i don't have the answers on how to avoid you know, uh, said monsters or, or spirits or whatever. And I think the other thing that really scared me about Fatal Frame 2 was, you know, because at that time I had already played plenty of uh, other horror games. And, you know, um, at least there was a way for you to, to put up an offensive. You got guns, you got magical, you know, uh, systems and whatever. So you were able to protect yourself. But in this game, you got a camera, the camera obscura. And I used to I used to hate that so much because like you, you'd have to use the camera to not only combat the spirits, but also investigate. And then in some of your investigations, you would you would like find ghosts walking, you know, awkwardly one way or if you aim the camera up somewhere, you catch a face like right in front of your camera. It was just like the worst. And that was always the most frightening thing. Like when I'd be in combat in this game and like having the ghost kind of coming towards you to harm you, you know, um, and you have to focus this camera, which takes time to get a focus and a lock on. And then this ghost is like dipping and trying to get out of the line of focus. Oh my God. Used to just be so bad. And when they would get super close, and and that was the other thing. Like, like I think there was you you'd get like bonus damage if you uh closed the shutter like right at the point where they were gonna get you, like grab you. It was like, oh my god, really? Like you really want me to let them get that close? 
and and you know no 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 um but that but that type of horror is so much different than other other horrors uh, horror games that i've experienced like you know like the current resident evil games like because resident evil in the past like they weren't so much scary games as as it as they were games that definitely had jump scares definitely had monsters but i think the fear was truly in the ability to understand how can i survive when i am limited to everything i need for survival like the bullets the health everything that was to be like you had to you it was hard to kind of think about managing yourself while also trying to stay clear of these monsters and bioweapons and whatever it was just man like so that was a lot of that was the primary fear in my heart um you know e even with the current generations of resident evil games like you know i think the the primary uh uh factor of fear or horror is now it's shifted it's not so much the resources that you have to go after or 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 to keep at bay the opposition it's now the pursuit of you know from that opposition it's like now these monsters are chasing you they are looking for you they are you know one floor below you and they can hear you stepping above them so then when you hear that that step kind of accelerate a little bit you're like yeah they're coming up here and that's just not fun you know like i remember the first time i played um or in in one of the sessions when i played the final fantasy 2 remake i remember running into the library and thinking to myself there's no possible way that mr x can get in here because he's nine feet tall and you know the game is not gonna allow him to do that he can't and when he bent over to you know fit under the door and then stand tall again i said this is one genius <laughs> and two scary as hell because now now the character is not a victim of a system's limitations you know now it's not about a it's not about a uh you know the fact that you he can't load into this or do that no they're making it so that regardless of what you think has you safe short of those safe rooms those were the only things and those were always godsends like when i when i would run into when i would run around a corner and I'd be like on a sliver of health and to run into a safe room, especially a new one um, that had everything that you needed in there, probably had one green herb. Maybe it had a ribbon in there uh, for you to save your game. And yeah, it just like that is exhilarating and it, but it's a different type of horror. And then you got games like, um, the uh newly released uh game it actually came out like a couple of weeks ago um the mortuary's assist assistant like that game is scary for a whole different reason um first off you you're making a game about dead bodies like people fear dead bodies just right off the rip you know and it, it's you know like and it's one thing if if you're playing a resident evil game and it's a bunch of zombies laid out, you know, because 
that's an articulation that's more based in fantasy and imagination. But when you got people going into a cold storage to get cadavers so that you can, you know, um, you know, play the mortuary's assistant, it's a little weird. It is super weird. And, you know, it's it's you know, yeah, it's a game. So, you, you know, you're you're you know, you're obviously just playing a game, but it's just something a little creepy about it still, you know, still. And then there's the horror part about it. You know, this game has areas where, you know, you because you can because you're sitting there focusing on putting this body together, you know, like getting it pre- prepared for, you know, a service. And then, you know, you, you're moving the camera around looking for, you know, your products and your stuff. And you think you saw something in the corner and you look back and there's nothing there. Or you might be looking at your clipboard to see what you have left to do. And you bring your clipboard clipboard down and the body is no longer on the gurney. It's stuff like that. And it's super weird and extremely frightening and yeah, I just I I don't know. I I played I played a, I only played uh, the demo. I didn't play through the full game, but I played the demo, and I got to this point where um, I was. What was I doing? I was uh, examining the body, and then all of a sudden, with all these creaks and and cracks, this body lifted its finger to point to me that I needed to go down a hallway. So now I'm like, oh, my God, like this, this, this. And and, and again, it, it's kind of like movie scale horror, like this body's pointing to pointing for you to go there in the dark and you're going to do it like, you know, in game, you have no choice. That's something that I, I figure or I wish, uh, you know, they had time to innovate over you know, kind of like the choice of whether I would be that stupid to do what a dead body is telling me or whether I can just ignore it and find a different way to go about getting the same results. Because maybe you could just jump scare me somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, like you. You get caught up in all these predicaments and, you know, like I believe that that, you know, you do a lot more things that you clearly wouldn't do in real life. But, man, everything that they have in there to frighten you and and they they primarily lean on a lot of jump scares as well a lot of the stuff a lot of the a lot of the stuff is based on jump scares but the way that those jump scares are implemented is based on line of sight it's always about what you see in the corner of your eye or what you might not have been focusing on and then right when you focus your eyes there like i there like i don't jump when i get scared that's something that if I was streaming, you'd probably be disappointed because I just I don't I don't know. I just don't jump, but I definitely get scared. And there were a couple of times um, where I had certain things happen in the game. And I, and I say certain things because people might want to go out and play and I want them to have a unique experience. And yeah, like I got the, just I guess you want to call them the shivers or whatever, like started from my fingers and just waved up to my brain and got me like i got dizzy like oh my god like what the heck was that you know um and it happened a few times and i and i vocalized i was like this game is really scary um but yeah i it's 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 really crazy but i think overall 
what makes a game scary is truly dependent on the type of horror it is uh, projecting itself to be. So if it's, you know, if it's purely about monsters, then they're going to make the worst kind of nastiest beast. Like, heck, I, I don't think Bloodborne is scary at all, but I definitely I definitely dislike um, the stage that is filled with mountains and mountains of snakes that is like the worst level in the world and it it causes me so much anxiety and so much fear but that's something that's based on me personally so i think it just depends i don't know some people are scared of certain things some people aren't um one other thing that i was kind of concerned with and i thought about because like i've so I so I recently oh, excuse me <coughs> I recently bought uh the new Modern Warfare 2 and I'm preparing to get myself back into the thick of the fight but I have a little apprehension I'm feeling a certain type of way and it poses a question to me because I have a very serious concern. Can a person be aged out of particular video games? And, and I think the quick answer is yes. I'm telling myself right now that when I get Modern Warfare 2 upon release, I am primarily going to focus on the campaign and nothing more. I will dabble in multiplayer, but I think the ultimate view, in my estimation, is that I am no longer cut out for multiplayer. And it has nothing to do with like the user base uh, in the respect of how they interact. You know, it's not that I don't find myself relatable to other players because obviously we can just relate on the factor of playing the same game and that should be good enough. But I don't think that I would be capable enough to be as proficient in a multiplayer setting than most people would. You know, I, I keep telling people like my best time in shooters was back in modern warfare 2 the original um that was probably the that was probably the best shooting i've ever done everything after that i slowly but surely declined and i think the last the last game that i went out and specifically purchased to be competitive was overwatch and it was fun for a time And then I slowly but surely realized that I had no place. It was it was night and day. It was night and day. I did the same thing with Apex. Apex was absolutely free. But I went in and I immediately realized I had no place in this game. And I didn't understand why. And I've tried I've tried them all. I've tried the the Fortnites, the PUBGs. I think PUBG is the only game that I the only game that I could uh at the very least finish at a respectable um position. But my theory is that maybe not many top 
players are playing PUBG. Um, but like, I can't like, I remember when I used to actually try Fortnite and, you know, want to accomplish something, man, I, I'd, I'd land after, you know, releasing from that, I guess it was a bus or something. And yeah, as soon as I land, I'd get shot. And, and that was, that was, that signified the game. That was it. You're done. And I, and I got so discouraged and it just, it, it all just kind of ultimately boiled down to me asking myself, am I good enough to experience games anymore? And it's not, it's not like I've slowed down playing games overall because I still play games every single day, but I do find that I no longer invest in games that involve other people. And that, and, and that is not saying that I don't like playing with people. I just don't have the same ability to be as competitive. And I don't, I don't understand why. I truly don't. <laughs> I could never tell you why. Maybe it's my old bones. Maybe my reflexes aren't as good. Uh, maybe my mind is not moving as fast as it did. I don't know. But it makes me feel that I'm aging out of games. I actually had a... Uh, conversation um and this one was really odd but i kind of understood and uh, i was talking to someone and they were expressing how xenoblade chronicles 3 was just not for them it was definitely for the teens but it just couldn't resonate with them and i was just thinking wow did you did you age out of out of an rpg like that's insane but it's really not because when you think about it, there's really no particular way to keep everybody under a, an umbrella when it comes to how you are projecting a particular story. Some people are going to get it. Some people are not. And I think for like these Xenoblade uh, Chronicle games, I find them to be interesting, but I also find them to be extremely unrelatable. Same thing with the uh, with the tail series. People talk about the tail series all the time, right? But I don't find them as relatable. Like I could never look at those games and look at those characters and say to myself that I see myself in any one of those particular characters. Now, when I played Final Fantasy VII, I could totally put myself in many different shoes depending on the characteristics that they were expressing at the time. I could put myself in many of those characters' shoes. Same thing with eight, same thing with uh, with uh, 10, in, you know, in places, and definitely with 12, and absolutely with 15. You know, like, these are things that I could feel as far as, like, a perception of life but there are certain games that i just don't feel as connected to and it's crazy because i truly try to play these games as as a lot of you know uh seasoned gamers do but man it, it is it is a it is a strange thing and i really don't even understand what the solution to something like that would be um you know because how do you adjust to something that is just so radically different i mean I, I don't i don't i don't know how to make an unrelatable character relatable i just don't <laughs> um you know it's just it's just something i thought about something really weird something i kind of wanted to bring up you know um 
does one feel that you know some some games just kind of go above their head i don't know the uh last thing i wanted to talk about um is something that i used to frequently do a lot <laughs> a whole bunch and i'm kind of doing it again and it's getting a little sickening to me um because as an adult you know there's definitely the conscience of things i'm responsible for so what am I talking about? I'm talking about impulse game buying, purchasing, you know, in, you know, impulsive picking up of every single game every single week. And it's all for what? Because you obviously can't play every single thing. And I just I I really want to know what people feel about it or if they even notice that they do it. So, like, for me, I'm not going to lie. I like to impulsively buy games when they release like it would have been my intention to grab cult of, of the lamb uh roller dome uh heck i would have even picked up madden 23 if i didn't feel a specific way about particular games i've already explained you know how i feel about you know uh the latter so you know there's that but if you'd have talked to me you know uh five ten years ago this wouldn't have been a question I because I used to just be that person that it didn't matter what system as long as I had it, obviously, but it didn't matter what system, um, what genre. I would just pick up anything, especially if people were talking about it. You know, people were talking about it with fever and they're like, you know what, this game is just super awesome. This, that and the third. I would just go out and get it. Because I didn't want to run myself the risk of not having something that people were deeming awesome. So that was always my benefit. But in that same in that same stretch, I've, all, I've, I've also found it at a detriment. Because one thing that I've, I've realized is that people don't find things interesting for very long. And there's been a lot of instances where I've picked up things and I've talked about how awesome they were and I don't get any kind of feedback. It's like, yeah, okay, you're in your own lane, dude. You're playing your own thing. Excuse me. And I think I think that is the more important lesson is that everybody has to just game the way that they want to game. Just do it the way you're going to do it and don't allow yourself to be dictated by the moment you know because if people if you got a hundred people if you have a hundred people screaming that you know uh this game is awesome that's great but buy it on your time right just buy it on your time because the thing about it is like these things are not disappearing games don't just disappear now yeah they get delisted and that could be for one reason or another but if you're somebody who's tapped into the, you know, the gaming industry and, you know, uh, you know, the goings on of of releases and and, you know, the news beyond uh, just having the game yourself, you'll know you'll know when to grab, you know, just like when they said, oh, the Vita Vita stores going offline. OK, well, let me get over there and go and buy as much as I can, because if it's only going to be available till, you know, when then I'll have everything I need. Um but it but in that same stretch i'm not just gonna go out and 
buy games just because people say that it's all right. Now, I think the last time that I actually did that, and, th and this should show you how much to get the needle has to be pushed in order to get me to impulsively purchase anymore. Last game I did that with was Hades. That was a little while ago, <clears throat> but it was because it, it was it was multiple factors. It was that I had people close to me saying that it was so great. It was because the entire Internet was saying that it was so great. I couldn't escape it. It was like everywhere. Hades was everywhere. It was white hot and it was a wildfire and it was burning down everything. And I said, OK, this is something different. This is almost like a paradigm shift because it's changing the way that people are looking at games. You have people talking about the second, third, fourth, fifth time they played through it. That did nothing but inspire me to only play through it once, which I did. You know, I played through it once, but it's just crazy on how I was allowed to tap into that. If if there was only my close friends talking about it, I probably wouldn't have grabbed it. I probably would have left it on the shelf where it was until maybe considering it, considering to own it, maybe like, I don't know, during a sale. But it wouldn't have been something on my radar because it was never on my radar. Is it an awesome game? You bet. But wasn't going to be something that was going to impulsively um, control me. I'm pretty sure Cult of the Lamb is nice. But, you know, Cult of the Lamb isn't something that's being, you know, talked about in every single circle. And, you know, I'm not seeing 100 hours of gameplay. I'm not hearing people telling me that they're on their third, fourth, fifth playthrough. Like, it's just, it's not that. You know, Roller Dome, I'm pretty sure it's a great game. Will I eventually get it? I might. I just may. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued more because it lines with certain particular points of my interest. You know, I haven't played a Tony Hawk game for a while. You know, I got Tony Hawk 2 on my emulator, but, um, you know, like I haven't played a proper Tony Hawk for quite some time. This would be a little fun if it kind of emulates that feeling and makes me, you know, feel the need to bust out more Tony Hawk or something. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Um, impulse impulse game purchasing. It can't it can be a, a gift. It can be a curse. But I don't think it should be a necessity. I think that's the I think that's the overarching theme that I'm I'm trying to uh, portray here. You know, nobody should just go out and buy games because they're <clears throat> trying to keep up with <clears throat> everyone else. You know, because these people don't care whether you got so many games. Which another um, bonus question I wanted to ask. I really, really wanted to get this off my chest. I I was writing the script for this and totally thought about it and then i walked into starbucks but i want to know am i am i or is any person any less of a gamer if they aren't a trophy hunter is trophy or achievement hunting a necessity to being viewed as a gamer that's something that really kind of, it doesn't bother me but well no it does 
it bothers me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It bothers me. It really bothers me because I, I, I haven't achieved so much in gaming. The things that I have achieved, I'm very proud of. Um, but I feel like even in the realms of things I've achieved, people have overachieved. And it just kind of waters down what I feel like is the the standing that I, that, you know, like the only standing I have is like, okay, well, I beat Hades. Yeah, but did you get a platinum? It's like, dude, like, <laughs> like I can't. I can't. And 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 I and I you know like I've I've sat and I've asked myself several times like what does it take for a person to get platinums and and hundred percent games like what does it take for a person to do that because like me I I don't I don't think I have the time like I think I think that's that's been my primary reason for not having platinums in in game in several games. I think I have platinums. I think I have maybe three platinums in all of PlayStation that I've played. I've, I've only have three platinums. Bloodborne, uh, <clears throat> Bloodborne is one of them. Uh, the other one, oh my gosh, oh, uh, Virtue's Last Reward, and then um, Zero Time Dilemma. I think that that's the third game, right? Yeah. So two two of them are visual novels, and one of them is a souls game that I was just completely obsessed with. Um, but yeah, I, you know, and, and it's not, I, you know, I, I think what it is for me, because I never, I didn't really try to platinum, uh, bloodborne. I didn't even try to, I, I know I didn't try to platinum, uh, the virtual last reward games or zero, whatever games, whatever you want to call them. I didn't try to platinum those. those those platinums. They they were in line with the experience that I was just having in general. So like I was playing like Bloodborne, right? And I think one of the achievements in the game, one of the high achievements in the game is like to get every weapon. And I just found it to be interesting that I could play this game over and over and over. And I just said to myself one day like yo i'm i'm just gonna like i didn't go to look at the the map out for how to achieve this achievement and say okay let's go get this weapon now let's go get this one no i just i just did it because it was interesting right um going into the uh i forgot what they call those dungeons but you know the chalice dungeon yeah going in there and and beating certain bosses and you know like that was just all stuff that was just like it was so crazy because I didn't even I didn't even know about the Chalice Dungeons until like I want to say two years removed. Like I had already beaten the primary game like several times, and then I said, "Oh, I want to go back and play." But what's this Chalice Dungeon thing? And then when somebody explained the whole concept and putting these ingredients together and making harder dungeons and this, that, and the third, I was hooked. I was like, "Yo, this is amazing! This is opening up the game." to a whole new level and then there were more weapons in there and you know like like but i think i think that was what helped me get the platinum was because there's alternates of weapons in there that you need i don't know i can't even remember but but yeah like like i don't i like i don't aim to achieve anything in these games but i feel like so many people do and it makes me look like i'm undermining my experiences and I, I get really upset. I really do. I get so bothered because it's like, 
I want to be as good about about these games, but again, I don't have the time. And you know, it's not it's not me belittling other people and saying, oh, they have too much time, or maybe they don't work, or nah, it's not that. It's just you know, there's a different level of dedication. There's a different level of investment, and I just wish I could understand my time a little better so that I would be able to achieve at least a little more, you know, cause I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I will, for what it's, for what it's worth, I will go through a game, beat it once and then I'm done. It's very, very seldom that I go through a game and I want to play it again. Like the only time that that ever becomes an, uh, uh um, a scenario is like with these souls games because there's because there's there's lore there's like story and there's like a good way to look at it and a bad way to look at it and a neutral way to look at it and so like you want to see all these different ways that you could affect this story so that's why you go through with it anything outside of that it's like i don't really find myself wanting to invest the time i think the reason i didn't go through hades i think you got to do it what 10 times to get the true ending because it was just too hard the game was just too hard it was just too hard it it was it was it was good enough for me to get through it the one time and i felt just as accomplished as i wanted to uh and yeah that 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 was good enough for me you know but you know that kind of goes into the question of am i aging out of games or am i just not as dedicated like i don't know uh, how about you? Are you dedicated? Are you a trophy hunter? Uh, do you go out there and make sure to get yourself 100% on each and every game that you own, no matter what? Um, do you believe people can age out of games? Have you aged out of games? Are there certain games that when you think about it, they just don't resonate with you the same way that they probably did some years ago? Um, what makes a good horror game to you? What kind of horror games do you like? Do you like to have monsters that are chasing you? Do you like more spectral and spiritual type of games? Or do you like games that kind of simulate a real world aspect of life and death? Do you think Final Fantasy X is a classic? Or do you have a different game in the Final Fantasy series that you would consider a classic overall? Um, And what new releases or new games have you played recently i'd love to hear your answers love to hear your feedback on the podcast you guys can hit me up on twitter more ta podcast and yeah we can always talk about some things because i'm always on twitter chatting it up and talking to the public um about everything video games and in between well guys i am absolutely famished i started this podcast and i was super hungry um so i'm definitely gonna go and uh feed this appetite but you know we couldn't forget about you guys and like i said i'm gonna try really hard to become as consistent as the podcast were you know in years past um you know there's been some difficulties there's been some setbacks but we're trying really hard to get back in the driver's seat lock in and uh keep giving you guys more of the greatness so with all that being said you guys know the deal Take care of yourselves and each other, and I will see you guys next time. Bye, guys.